From the Financial Times in London, I'm Emma Jacobs and this is FT News. Maggie Neal teaches the art and science of negotiation at Stanford Business School. Her book entitled Getting More of What You Want aims to show how the secrets of economics and psychology can help you negotiate anything in business and in life. I spoke to her recently to find out what some of these secrets are. In the book, I think you talk about one of the common pitfalls of negotiation being having a battle mentality. What is that? Well, if you think about how most people think about negotiations, what they do is they think about them as a battle. Mm. And the battle is characterized in the following way. I'm going to try to get resources from you that you don't want to give me. And I'm going to try to keep you from getting resources that I don't want you to have. Once I do that, if I have that mindset and I put on that battle armor, as soon as I walk into that situation, my counterpart sees exactly that he or she is about to engage in a battle and does exactly the same thing. And so now, rather than having an opportunity to find a solution that makes us both better off, we're now trying to win. So what mindset should we have when we approach negotiation? We really should be focusing on what I call collaborative problem solving. This is not a kind of let everybody get together and be really happy kind of (laughs) solution. (laughs) What I'm really interested in is I'm looking for a solution that makes me better off, better off than had I not negotiated. Now, that sounds pretty obvious because you might think most people would say, well, why would you negotiate to be worse off? And yet many, many, many of us have said yes to an agreement and with no guns to our head, we have voluntarily agreed to make ourselves worse off by saying yes to a deal that isn't good for us. So the first thing is I'm looking for that space where I'm better off. And then secondly, and this is really important to understand, is that there is no command and control in negotiation. I cannot force you to say yes. All that I can do is to present proposals to you where you believe that it is in your interest to say yes. So here's the sweet spot for the kind of solution I'm looking for. A solution that makes me better off and at least keeps you whole, because otherwise there's no incentive for you to say yes. So if I want to negotiate a pay rise, which is a common negotiation, I mean, how's that going to make the other person better off? Well, first, I would strongly encourage you not to negotiate a single issue like pay, especially for women, because if I walk into a negotiation and just say I want more money, the likelihood is that there's going to be a backlash against me, that my counterpart, my superior, especially if he's a man, will think that I'm being greedy and demanding and not nice. What I would strongly encourage you to do is think about negotiating at what I call the package level. So what that means is think about the pool of resources that you would need in order to do your job better, one of which, of course, is a salary commensurate with your responsibilities. So it may be that you need more resources for marketing, or you need a car, or maybe you need a better technological system, a better computer or whatever. So if you're, for example, starting a job or getting a promotion, you know, with the new responsibilities, Mm -hmm. what additional resources do you need to do your job? And the way you present the package is, here are the resources that I need in order to solve the following problems for the organization or to help mitigate those problems. What you need to be is actually quite creative in thinking about what the resources are you need and creative in understanding what are the challenges that your counterpart faces that your involvement with them can help mitigate. So to clarify for me, 
If I'm going to go and ask for a pay rise, I should say that this is going to help them because it's part of a whole package of measures that I'm going to deliver to them. Just ask for the pay raise. Say, as I consider taking this job or as I consider this promotion, here are the resources that I need. And this is the wage that I think is commensurate with these responsibilities. And why? You know, you've done your homework. Here's what the organization pays for people who are in this kind of position. Here's what other organizations pay for people who are in this kind of position. But you don't simply talk about dollars because that puts you right back into the battle. Right. And so earlier you mentioned men and women. Do you think there's a difference in negotiation tactics or strategies they should deploy? Yes. So I want to be real clear first. We don't see a lot of difference in exactly how women and how men negotiate. Mm. What we do see is a big difference in how people respond to those negotiation strategies and tactics. So women oftentimes are punished if they attempt to negotiate because people perceive them as greedy, demanding, and not nice. Now, what's interesting is a man could say exactly the same words, and he won't get that pushback. So what a woman has to do, and I believe this is a good strategy for everybody, is this problem-solving orientation. How can what I'm asking for help you solve your problems? Because just think how difficult it would be for someone to think that you're greedy or demanding or not nice when you're helping them solve the problems that are important to them. So if I'm going to go into a negotiation, I should think how I'm going to be perceived as a woman or not worry about it at all? I think that you should use a different strategy to offset the likely response that people have. Women are concerned about this, and so if you think about it, women actually have lower expectations on average for what they're going to get in a negotiation or how much they should get. Do you mean like running out the room and saying thanks very much before pushing it? (laughs) Well, it's sort of like, you know, you give me a job offer, and I think, well, I'm I'm a little concerned about negotiating. I'm concerned that I might be perceived as greedy or demanding. Mm. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the job. I'm going to work really hard, and then you're going to see my good work, and then you'll reward me. It doesn't work like that, does it? It doesn't work very well. (laughs) It's not a good strategy. Although I can tell you, all of us have done it. We've Mm. all said, you know, we'll we'll just wait. They'll see that I'm really worth it. And I think that people do appreciate good performers. But the connection between, you know, my good actions on the part of the organization and my raises at any moment may not be one-to-one. One of the things that you also talk about is preparation and the importance of preparation. Do you think that people underestimate that? I think it's one of the biggest challenges that people have in their negotiations. Too many people think of negotiation more like an improvisational theater activity. You know, you kind of walk in and see what's mm. going to happen. Yeah. And kind <laughs> sounds of very familiar. It's not that. And in fact, one of the ways that you can really improve the probability of success in a negotiation is with high-quality preparation. Because what happens is once you understand what you want, and you're very clear about that, and you understand what your counterpart wants, you have a surprising facility with being able to craft proposals that meet your needs and also can sound intriguing to your counterpart. And that's what you're looking for, that solution. Solutions they may not have even thought about. So should you rehearse it with a partner or friend or colleague? Oh, absolutely. I do this all the time. If I have a big negotiation coming up, I have a colleague of mine, actually my co-author on the book, and I use role-playing all the time in trying to make sure that I have my sort of ducks in a row, and what I want to make sure is that he kind of plays the other side and asks questions and poses challenges, and I need to be able to respond to those. 
You talk about the importance of listening. Lots of people think they're very good at listening, but they're actually not. I mean, I've spoken to people that talk about the difference between listening actively and passively. Do you have any tips for listening properly? Well, one of the things that I think is really important is, you know, as you prepare for a negotiation, and especially as you're trying to understand your counterpart, what their interests are, their preferences, their motivations, their goals, you're going to have holes in that preparation. And so one of the things that I think is important is for you, as you do your preparation and in advance of the negotiation, identify a series of questions that you still need the answers to that would really help you flesh out a good proposal. And then over the course of the negotiation, use the negotiation itself for two purposes. Number one, to augment the information that you are still missing in your preparation. And importantly, to verify the information that you have. And so one of the things that I and my co-author suggest is, is that you think about being very creative in how you ask questions. So you combine, during the negotiation process, questions about issues to which you do not know the answers and you really need the information with questions about aspects of the negotiation that you do know the answer to. And you judge how much you can trust the answers that you don't know by seeing how honestly they answer the questions that you do know the answers to. Oh, well, thank you very much, Maggie. It's very good to talk to you. All right, Emma. Great talking to you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.